When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. At Maximum Mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Alright guys, so uh, we are here doing more of a bonus episode at the Geekscape booth. Um, obviously, apologies for any of the noise because we are at a convention, possibly one of the biggest, I don't know, San Diego yeah. Comic Con, it's a pretty big, We're pretty big convention. show. We're at a pretty big <laughs> spot. Um, but I had to sit down and talk with my friend Heidi. <laughs> Heidi, uh, so I met you literally a year ago yesterday. Yeah. That's what Facebook informed me. Yesterday oh, yeah. was our one year of friendship, so we'll start off with That's one of those. Awesome. But, uh, Happy friend anniversary! Yes, from the very first time I met you, you were like, "You like bad horror movies?" I was in the worst horror movie, <laughs> and uh, people say that a lot. People tell me all the time that they, "Oh, I saw the worst horror movie," and then they just like tell me about like a moderately bad oh. movie. And they've been doing it all weekend because yeah. Matt uh, is talking about horror movie night, and people are like, "Oh, have you ever seen Blank?" And we look at him like, "Bitch, please!" Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. I'm 
mean, I tried to tell you. I tried to t- tell well, because, you. Well, see, but like, so, and this is nothing against you, but like a lot of people, especially if it's a movie that they're in, they're like, oh, it's in the worst movie. And what they're talking about is like, they weren't happy with their performance or something. But like, no, this was, yeah, this is literally, and I can say this because I love you and because you gave me the heads up. This is one of the worst films I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. I win. I win. <laughs> We win! Did you hear that, Richard Clark Jr.? We win! <laughs> For horror movies, absolutely. Now, action-wise, you have yet to see Death Run to Istanbul. <laughs> no, but I still gotta will. see that. That's, oh my god. I'm so excited that you watched it. I was actually terrified last year to show it to you, but then I thought, whatever. Because like, standard, his standards are clearly so high. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what I do want to ask you, though, is, like, as we're sitting here, also, John's here, that random voice that's just... Chatting over my shoulder like a fucking parrot is John. Um, I wanted to, so I never get the opportunity to actually talk to people about starring in a bad movie. I had the opportunity at Monster Mania. We got to talk to a girl who was one of the um, she she did she built the walrus costume for Tusk. Wow. So it was cool to hear about her side of that. I want to know like your side of like what was it like to do this movie did you know like did you know you were in a bad movie from the start or did it kind of just slowly as the movie went on start to kind of come to you like I don't think this is going to be very good I pretty much knew it wasn't going to be amazing but as it went on I was like oh this is this is not good I almost I feel guilty almost saying it because I love the people that I worked with I haven't seen them in years I have no idea what's happened to most of them but uh, and I don't know about starring in. I'm guessing they found other forms of work. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't really star in this movie. I had like a little, I guess it would be technically like a co-star role in it. Um, but I did get to die on screen. But even then, like they had a whole special effect that they wanted to do where they used like an air cannon and you would see like my brains blown out on the, spoilers, um, on the wall. But it wasn't working. So, And I was so miserable. I remember that day. I was miserable. It was hot. Because we shot this in South Carolina, which is where I'm from. So it was the very early South Carolina like film community and everyone wanted to be in this movie everyone was so excited and we shot in this tiny little town and it was in a cotton mill that we were shooting this death scene in the summer when it was so humid and I remember crying because I was so miserable (laughs) it was just really rough yeah but well well, but like um it's funny your character is actually really weird to me in the movie (laughs) (laughs) from like from like a storytelling standpoint your character is like never on screen for more than like thirty seconds per scene, right. but like you're the last person to die in the movie. Like it's almost like they were building you. Yeah, it's almost like they were building you to be the survivor girl, but they didn't like want to write enough scenes. Like, well, no, that's true because like, I, well, I don't know about that, and it, but I remember that only part of the script was done and that was when I knew it was bad was when he started going okay we're just going to shoot some stuff I'm going to tell you what to do and I was like okay like like your role would be like reserved for the in their defense I've heard the same thing about the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man 3 that's true (laughs) Uh, like your character like you you have the story "Eh, she could survive but nah it's more fun to kill her yeah like they gave you like like you were like the they were building you as if you were like the the Ripley from Alien at the end of this movie, but you were only in the movie for like seven minutes prior. Well, when they introduced me, the first thing they say about me is that she sure is fun to look at, but she's not much to talk to. So the guy really knew how to write female roles, like you know. But it 
and, and, and he's working I did, on the next Wonder Woman well, movie I, now. <laughs> I didn't speak very much in it either. Like I had very few lines, and people were always calling me sweetheart, and it was just like I was like some stupid ditzy girl that hated her job that was always on the phone, you know. And did they write the phone dialogue, or did you just have to rip that out? I made it up. I, yeah, like, but I, it would have been what a, that would have been such a good idea to have her be the one that survives because you wouldn't expect it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, or everyone dies around her, and she's just on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I think they clearly would have written you more roles if you were like, I want to act with a cigar in my mouth the entire damn movie, <laughs> to the detriment of anything that I could I could possibly communicate to an audience. Yeah, can we talk about the cigar mouth? Yeah, but I feel bad. I don't remember his name. The the man. It's, it's a, his name is Cigar Mouth. <laughs> yeah. So the man who played the sheriff. Yeah, he. I remember this. I remember. One is, was one of the first things that made me think this may be a, like not a good movie <laughs> was just well all these like local well it's a lot of us local at the time I was doing a lot of theater too and it was a lot of us local actors and it, that were mostly doing theater and like we get so excited and we you know Ugh. You just so can't hide it. that would be my first sign too <laughs> but the man who played the sheriff insisted on the entire time having a cigar in his mouth and I used to rip on him about it I'd be like what are you doing you know and he's like ah he just would laugh and he he'd wait till it would get all matted and gross and short and he'd he'd put it like in the trash and pull out another one he spoke almost all of his lines with a cigar in his mouth it was like boss hog but worse because boss hog took the cigar out of his mouth to talk like we were shocked when there was like two scenes that didn't involve a cigar i know i was so surprised at the, at the funeral there was a funeral the funeral scene. and then there's one scene where they find the little kid on under the bridge my guess is that he ran out of them that was he just <laughs> didn't the have any more it's not like he had a prop master it was his own props he goes over to a nearby tree and starts chewing on it. <laughs> so was it shot? I guess I, I joked that those were the last two scenes shot, but was this movie shot in order, or was this one where they shot it like a normal movie, like when they could? Kind of in order. I mean, Because you said the I last can't... like 30 pages were MIA. So. Yeah, it was... That part was shot pretty much in order, and it was. Okay. I could just see them going, "Um, why don't we just kill them like this? Oh, why don't we kill them like that? Why don't we?" You know, it was just they, were, they knew how they wanted to kill me, but but after a while, and all the like all the other kids and stuff, and spoilers, people die in this movie. Um, yeah. when a they, lot of people die in this movie. Yeah, at the very end, and this motivation really unknown. Funny way. <laughs> You know, but uh, if I remember correctly, because it was a while ago, yeah, we pretty much shot it in order, pretty much. It took about a week or two weeks. This was a movie in which I made three joke guesses of who the killer was, and I was right all three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, um, you know, I know we're bagging on this movie, but I rarely, while sitting watching a movie, have exclaimed, this is pretty tight, <laughs> as many times as I did during this movie. Because you know what? At the end of the day... This movie's kind of tight. I actually am genuinely sad that this isn't, like... This isn't even a movie... Yeah, it's not available anywhere because this would be... Like, Scott and Adam are dodging a bullet. It was a, It's a great episode for the podcast. It would be one of those movies that, like, if they did an actual release, it would have that Troll 2 type following. Let's get on it. Let's, yeah, let's... let's, get let's on hey. Let's talk to Scream Factory. Ge- yeah, guys, come on. Like, Geekscape us. Like, get it... Like, fine. Okay, Richard Clark... Make a petition. Richard Clark Jr., I have no idea where he is, and I'm trying to find out. The name of the movie is Serial. Have we even said that? Yeah, it's called Serial, which, uh, you know, great great name for a movie. It's yeah, it's super difficult to track down any movie just by searching Serial. Right. 
Okay, but you can go to my IMDb, and I am I'm credited as Harley so Shaw. You didn't say IMDb. Yeah, so go. You can go to Heidi Cox, and you can find it on IMDb. But then we've got to figure out who these people are because I can't find them anywhere. I mean, I know two of the actors that were in it still, but that's about it. This is what we want to do. We want to we want to put out an APB on the director, which you can find through IMDb, and then find them on any social media you might you might be on. And we also want to look for Cigar Mouth. Yeah. Like those two guys, we got to find right them. Yo, John, I'm just saying, like, you know, we keep expanding Geekscape and all these different things. I think I think it's time for Geekscape to put out a DVD. <laughs> not, not a Scream Factory, does it? <laughs> no. We'll talk to Scream Factory. You've done them enough favors, Matt Kelly. What? I don't know. No, I was saying we should release this scary movie. Geeks, the Geekscape brand production company. We, we might do it on, like, Pirates Bay or BitTorrent. <laughs> I couldn't even find it there, so, yeah, that's a step in the right direction. Mark Jr., we're looking for you, and I'm still... The, the signal is so awful in here, it's taking my IMDb forever to up. So. That should be the next, um, you know, when you're done stalking LeVar, you should do, like, finding Richard Burns. I know, Clark right? Jr. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, you guys have talked about all the characters that you guys like. My favorite is the principal... Who is also a pedophile and hangs out. That guy I know, I know where he is. That's Vic Avilas. And he did theater with me back in South Carolina. That, so. that was a character that I, I thought they could have done more with that character. Because he's like principal by day. And then you have this, you know, and he's really weird. But then you have this one scene where he's just hanging around this playground. And he's like, hey, kids, where's your mom? Like, and right I was like, there. nothing is good about this. <laughs> this is not good. So, and then it never ties in again. So the actor who played the sheriff is John Burcham. John Burcham John is an actor known for cereal. Yeah, that's it. That's the only thing that he's listed as being in. Yeah, John's tight as hell. Vic is the only one with the photo um, for no. Principal Ross. Vic, you're tight as hell, bro. And uh, and me. I think that's it. But uh, the director director is Richard Clark Jr. The writer is Richard Clark Jr. And I remember him. He was such a nice guy. And he had a lot of interesting ideas. He even had a TV series idea. So I just can't find him. I've been trying. Was it serialized cereal? Yo, there's a kid just like Dustin, and he looks no, awesome. No, he wanted to do like a Dawson's Creek kind of thing. It was back in the day, so... Yeah, that... But like, the ending of this movie is so batshit crazy. Yeah. It makes so little sense. But I, I, I think I solved it, but I think I, I solved it with more like actual effort than any person on the, the writing team put into this movie. <laughs> uh... Uh, so anyway, the cinematographer slash DP was Kent Allen, too. And I remember him well. They were both very kind. Was fun. it his VHS recorder you guys were using to make the movie? <laughs> no, I have no idea what camera he used. He had, like, one of those old crank ones. It was before It was before the SLRs became uh, capable, oh, video capable. <laughs> oh, we know. We know. Oh, we know. Look like but some redneck zombie it would be really shit. fun. Like, this could be a really fun movie to be, like, a cult, like, I, I don't know. I would absolutely make people watch this movie. <laughs> Like, I, I have no problem right. forcing this on people. Yeah. I've watched scenes from Belly the Beast five times in the last two weeks. I got no problem. Adam there. Scott, run. Please, you got to run before this thing gets hey guys, hey, guys, come come hang out with me sometime, guys. I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> I got a movie for you. Yeah, oh, and the cinematographer also edited the movie. So so that should be pretty easy find. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there you go. So, so we're looking for John Burcham. Uh, Richard Clark Jr., Kent Allen, and I can find Vic Avilas, although I, I sent him a message. He didn't get back to me. We'll to he might be one to forget that this movie happened. Yeah. <laughs> he, he saw the word cereal and he had some like Vietnam flashback at his desk. I'm embracing it. I'm embracing it. <laughs> you should because it's great. 
right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for watching it with. It was really fun to watch it with you guys <laughs> and Derek too. Derek, at, least, at least you guys stayed awake. Derek, Derek mentioned it in his article. I stayed awake through some of it. Jonathan, if Jonathan sits still for more than like two seconds, he falls asleep. And there are a couple yeah. of scenes that were a little low key. We'll say uh, they were. The whole movie was perfect. <laughs> I look over and he's like. I'm like Sonic the Hedgehog. If, I'm not, if I don't keep running, I, I go to sleep pretty fast. <laughs> it's kind of true. That's why you have that fidget spinner now. Thanks to Eric Swain from Funimation. All right. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. Uh, I'm not sure if you want this tied to this episode, but if people want to see other stuff that you've been a part of that are way better than Serial, where can they go and check that out? Oh, I don't mind at all. Um, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's Dweeb Darlings, which is also a website, dweebdarlings.com. We have a show called Stalking LeVar, L-E-V-A-R, as in LeVar Burton. It's about a girl in search of a very important person. And we're actually teaming up with Geekscape. Dweeb Darlings is teaming up with Geekscape to uh, make a short film to wrap up the whole story of Stalking LeVar. Jonathan London directing. So it should be fun. I'm excited. Very, very cool. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you. All right, guys, so I'm at the Geekscape booth. I'm handing out flyers. The Monster Squad's going to be here in just a couple minutes. And uh, a whole camera crew from Sci-Fi just rolled up to talk to him. And I got talking to this guy, Ben. Hey. And Ben uh, works for Sci-Fi. He was a former editor at Sci-Fi. And we just started geeking out about all different types of horror movies. So I figured I got the recording device. I'm doing some content for the website anyway. Tell me a little bit about, like, your horror background working with sci-fi, or just, like, what made you a horror fan? Oh, God. Well, first of all, I love having the shit scared out of me. Can I, yeah. can I say shit? Yeah. That's great. Uh, as a kid, I carry that anxiety with me today, <laughs> uh, and I want to replicate that childlike anxiety in everything I do. Uh, campy horror became my thing, I think, in high school. It's the best yeah. kind of horror. Where I realized that being scared is one thing, but really appreciating how awful something so grand can be was so liberating. So uh, I think I fell in love with stuff like Critters. Uh, Which definitely had a home on sci-fi oh, yeah. as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in Tremors and stuff like that. And you can see how those movies kind of spiraled out of control. I miss the days when like the fifth one of anything always took place in space. Yeah, there was always the outer space episode yeah. of, of a movie. Um, there's always like the, the evolution of the creature where all of a sudden there's like a brand new mythos that they have to bring in to keep it fresh. Yeah, or, or suddenly there are five of them or anything <laughs> like that. It's like, well, one of them's not scary enough anymore. Now they have to be like in a posse. They need an entourage. Yeah. Alien, alien entourage, predator entourage. Uh, yeah, the critter entourage, of course. I think that giant critter ball is one of the most iconic scenes from any movie. Yeah, Critters 2 is one of my favorites. Yeah, it's I love insane. It. And Critters 4 I didn't like as a kid, but I actually think that that's one of the better ones in that franchise too now. Yeah. The one that's actually in outer space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then uh, especially in the 90s, everything also took place in the hood. Yeah. So like the third one was in the hood. <laughs> um, 
which I guess became offensive on every level. Yeah, yeah, on every level. Yeah, except for Tales in the Hood, Tales from the Hood, which should be yeah. an offensive movie, and it's one of the most socially aware and brilliant like horror films ever made. Yeah, yeah, it's a good litmus <laughs> test too. You know, when the people who shut off, you know, talking about it or want to back away from that conversation, they yeah. just uh, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, because that movie like. You know, people are giving a lot of attention to Get Out mm-hmm. and all the stuff that it's done about, like, social awareness in that sense. But Tales from the Hood got there first, guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's brilliant. It is. It yeah. It should Scream- never be remade. No. Yeah. Scream Factory just put it out on Blu-ray a few months ago. And I remember watching it and being like, this movie still works in every, like, every story is scary. It's got the best wraparound of any anthology film. Yeah. Like Tales from the Hood is amazing and super underappreciated. See, I'm excited to hear it's on Blu-ray. I only have the VHS. Yeah, because uh, the DVD was like forty dollars. It was used. forty. Yeah, it was <laughs> disgusting. But this means I could get rid of my VHS player finally. Yeah, you were holding out for just that yeah, one title. I want something that's just marginally slimmer on my bookshelf. <laughs> well, yeah, the Blu-ray is fantastic. Oh, I think God. I think it might be a two-disker. <laughs> Really? I think they, I, if like I'm special remember, features? Yeah, like, like tons of special features. Replace all the dialogue with something that uh, is overly PC. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's it's, great, yeah. It's a, it's a PG version of it. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> you know, for the kids. <laughs> for the kids. Everybody needs one. So what are you doing now? I know you told me that you were doing, like, trailer stuff for sci-fi. Are you allowed to tell me what you're doing now for sci-fi, or is that kind of a... We need to bring PR in for it. I need to bring PR in, but I can tell you what we're doing here at the con. That works. What are you doing here at the con? We've got a thousand things going on. Uh, We have panels. We have street teams that's sort of celebrating this new, uh, we're calling it a brand reboot. Okay. That takes it away from the network and gives it back to the fans. So we're just trying to meet the people who are living and breathing this stuff and, you know, making their voices heard, giving them experiences, and saying it's not about us anymore. Okay, I like that yeah. though. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a part of like the 25th birthday of sci-fi celebration, and we're Very like cool. like any 25 year old, we shouldn't celebrate ourselves on our birthday. You know, like it's we should it's celebrate over. the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah celebrate yeah. the people that made you get to totally, 25. totally. So let's like uh, let's have a good time and celebrate the universe we joined and not the one that we created, right? Well, because most of the people here, like I told you earlier, I was raised on sci-fi. Yeah. Without sci-fi, I wouldn't have had a love for Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and um, The Prisoner. I used to watch The Prisoner on so sci-fi. Good. So good. Like that, they they really early days of sci-fi were so cool because they would tap into these old vintage sci-fi shows, and then they would do these like week events of like. I remember that's the first time I saw Alligator was they did, like, Creature Feature Week, and it was every day was a different Creature Feature. Yep, and then we had creatures fighting each other. Yeah, then it evolved to that. And then they had creatures uh, mashing up, you know, like, I I think Sharktopus is probably the best title of any creature mashup. I I think phonetically it's a beautiful beautiful thing to say, rolls off the tongue. I really like, um, I I, I just like the sound of a... it was like Mega Snake versus Giant Gia. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I can't even remember how to say that yeah. one. But but it's like it's such an obs- especially the trailer leading up to it where it's like you're sitting there and you're like what movie is this gonna what what I know this is gonna be something versus something. Yeah. And then it just hits you and you're like this is insanity. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and I know everybody's all about Sharknado and I was not a fan you know, of Sharknado. Like I I I have I was too self aware. I have my love for it. I think where they hit the right balance of self-awareness and uh, and schlock was actually the Sharknado spinoff, Lava Lantula. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it was in the same universe as Sharknado, 
um, but it was uh, about giant lava spewing spiders okay. attacking LA. But it it was the Police Academy reunion movie. Oh, that's amazing! Because you had Steve Gutenberg <laughs> back, and uh, I didn't realize how much I had missed him. Because um, everybody always asks, like, "Oh, what's Steve Gutenberg doing these days?" I could tell you, it was Lava Lantula. And yeah. then the sequel was inspired, uh, which was Two Love Two Lantula, and it was uh, it was it was perfect. That's amazing. Yeah, I had a Oscar worthy. I never had a script, but I had a title yeah. that I always wanted to send to Sci-Fi. So I'm going to just pass it to you. If you want to get it to someone higher up, but it was Shockadile versus the Pterodactyl. Oh, awesome! <laughs> awesome. Shockadile sounds like a good cereal too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want my like fruity Shockadiles. <laughs> I think you got to get that name to the asylum, pal. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Yeah, good talking to you. It was great talking to you, Ben. I'm excited to uh, see what happens with the uh, Monster Squad footage that you're going to take. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Keep up all the awesome work. I love the stuff that's coming out of sci-fi. Thank you. I'll keep up my own mediocre work as well. I'm sure your mediocre work is far than mediocre. Maybe. We'll find out. Are you able to promote that, or is that also PR needed? Uh, PR needs everything. Okay. (laughs) I I am a, a PR robot. All right. Cool. Fair. Thank you. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous but should be. Why are you my facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. <laughs>